This podcast is brought to you by Bonus Room Productions, and we own this town. I am Jason T. Mears Esquire. And I'm Kelly Hoyle Bullock. And we are San Dimas Today. How's it going, Kelly? Oh, pretty good. That's fantastic to hear. Excited to be doing this for the first time ever. Ever. We've we, never done this before. This has never happened before. We've, we've never recorded a first episode and then decided to do it over again. It's no, never happened. We've never recorded a first episode, gone on to record a second episode, and then go back to re-record the first episode because we knew we could do so much better. This is the first time we've ever recorded anything ever. That's right. So, you know, here we are. We're, we're doing San Dimas Today, which is a podcast all about Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure Bill and Ted's bogus journey. All things Bill and Ted. We, the universe. We, yeah. Every every conceivable angle we're going to be tackling this topic because it's worth it. You know, people remember Bill and Ted and they're like, oh, that was a fun 80s movie with a nice 90s sequel. Kind of a trifle. But the universe that they established is so worth digging into. Looking at all the great musical cameos that happened, the music that was used, the uh, plot structure, the 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 way that they handled the sequel, it, it's it's going to be a lot of fun doing this with you, man. I'm really excited about I it. I am excited. You know, and the big thing is, is you might be wondering, who the hell are we? And why do you care about us talking about Bill and Ted? And let me just tell you that JT over here and I have been friends since God, 1991. Since yeah. probably Bogus Journey came out. Yeah, yeah. We, we've been friends for a very long time. And uh, we've also been Bill and Ted friends for even longer. Or Bill and Ted fans for even longer. Right. Uh, I saw the first movie like three times in theaters. Like I loved it. And I remember getting so stoked going to the video store. And I saw that they had the poster up for Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure that it was going to be available on VHS to rent. I was I went out of my mind, and I biked there from my home every day, like asking, "Is it out yet? Is it out yet?" And then finally, they gave me the date, <laughs> and then I started hounding them for the actual poster that they had on the wall because that was for employees only. But I biked to that store every single day until finally they said, "All right, when we're done with it, you can have it." And I remember writing my parents' phone number on there and my name and being so thrilled. And I got that poster, <laughs> and it hung up on my wall. And I don't, I don't know what happened to it, and I hate that I lost it, but it was on my wall for years, years. So, so we were just discovering, talking about this before we started recording, that that video store where you got that poster is the same video store that I rode my bike to. It was the closest video store to my house, mm-hmm. which I guess really means it was the closest video store to your house. Right, because I was either further back from <laughs> civilization than you were. And, and so I, I used to go there on my bike. Um, there were basically three three video cassettes that I would rent over and over and over again. One was the best of Eddie Murphy's Saturday Night Live. Classic. I think that taught me like how to laugh uncontrollably. Mm-hmm. And then... Uh, then there was No Holds Barred. Uh, I mean, which yeah, also classic. <clears throat> it's amazing how terrible that movie is and how much I loved it at the time. Mm. I um, think my version of that growing up was uh, Ice Cold, the Stone Cold <laughs> Steve Austin uh, action movie that came out. No, no, not Steve. Oh, Brian Bosworth. Oh, yeah. His movie, Brian Bosworth. Yes. Yes, Stone Cold with uh, uh, Brian Bosworth. Yep. yep. Classic. Love that. The Boz. Um, so, yeah, and then it was Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure. Rent it over and over again. You know what? I'm just realizing you 
you were the reason that several weekends I could not rent that movie. That's it. Before we even knew each other. Dude. We, you were basically my nemesis. Uh, it all makes sense. <laughs> you know, the, this 20 plus years of friendship is uh, really kind of, it's making sense now. How things are playing <laughs> well, out. All it took was a field trip in eighth grade to land between the lakes. Mm-hmm. Um, we broke bread. We did. We listened to Weird Al. A, a lot of Weird Al. And we discovered that we both had a mutual love of Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure. And, it, it, and it's it's all been gravy since then. Yeah, yeah. You fell out of a canoe with your girlfriend at the time, right? I did. I did. <laughs> I'm I sorry. Did. That just sticks out in my no, mind. You know, and, uh, <laughs> you know, th- this, I swear, I swear we're going to get to Bill and Ted soon, folks. But uh, I, uh, side note, have fallen out of every canoe I've ever been in <laughs> my entire life. It's impossible for me to get into a canoe and not fall out of it. Man, that's an impressive streak, sir. It is. I hope to keep it up next time. Even if by every time you mean twice. I don't <laughs> no, know. no. It's like it's at least seven times. Okay. I've fallen out of at least seven different canoes. <laughs> All right. So should we do this? Yeah, let's do this. Okay. So first episode, first thing I want to discuss, we actually threw this out to our uh, Facebook community, which is awesome that we already have a Facebook community supporting us. It's amazing. Thank you, guys. Uh, hope you're going to enjoy the show. We asked, what is the difference between Bill and Ted, character-wise? Is there a difference? And um, I love our Facebook community. We didn't get a lot of constructive response to this because, and I I think we'll we'll cover this, but the the responses we got were, uh, Bill was a lawyer, which, (laughs) not true. I mean, he he went by Definitely not. And uh, they were both excellent musicians, and then that post was followed by a a little video clip from the Pixar movie Coco. And uh, <laughs> so thank you guys for your input. We really appreciate it. It's, yeah, we're, uh, we're really looking to build on top of that, yes. I think. Yeah. So I don't know if we can top that. But um, So, Kelly, what do you think? Is is there a difference character-wise I, between Bill and Ted? I, you know, um, it doesn't feel like it. You know, it feels like in, in the moments where, you know uh, – at the beginning, sort of the first half in the movie, Bill is sort of the more prudent one, I suppose. When they're studying and Bill gets off topic, or Ted gets off topic, Bill Bill says, dude, Alaska. Yeah, so I think you're onto something. When, when the plot first kicks off, it does seem a little bit more like Bill is, and intellectual is the wrong word, but the more uh, aware of consequences right where ted in the beginning seems more to have a higher eq or uh emotional you know uh i agree with that because he's you know he's he's sort of the as it's said in the movie the ladies man right absolutely you know? absolutely and you know the intellectual one would not forget I to mean, wind his watch. Reeves. I mean, come on now are you saying right? hmm. that's, a, that's a handsome man? That I, is, I never, I never. That is one of the handsomest dudes of all time. I, I, I don't I, mind I, admitting that. You're absolutely right. I mean, yeah, I was going to say something sarcastic, but you can't <laughs> deny it. You can't deny it. Um, so I, I think that they started off there, and I, I don't know if that was built in, because if you don't know um, out there. Bill and Ted started off as uh, improv characters that the two writers, Ed Solomon and Chris Matheson, would do. Um, and it, it started off as kind of a joke delivery system. These guys were doing these two, uh, people call them Valley guys. I'm not sure if that's is there actually... any video of that anywhere? That's what I would like I to know. I think there is, and we can get into this. Okay. Um, 
I think, and I could be wrong, I think in the bonus material to the first box set that Bill and Ted released, um, or that that the studios released of Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure, Bill and Ted's Bogus Journey, there are extensive interviews with Chris Matheson and Ed Solomon. I think there might be some video of them setting in chairs doing Bill and Ted. I'll double check that. Okay. Definitely. And get back to you. We, we'll obviously have a future discussion on, on the DVD extras. Yes, so. for sure. Also worth noting while we're on the topic, Shout Factory, maybe a year ago, re-released that box set in Blu-ray and it's glorious. It, it's actually <laughs> great to see those movies get the treatment that they deserve because for so long you could only get them on DVD. And uh, to have that handsome packaging is pretty great. I'd recommend any fans go out and go to Shout Factory and pick that up because it's really cool. <laughs> but back on topic, difference between Bill and Ted. I think how it evolved is there is no practical difference between Bill and Ted. They they operate as a unit, and it's not they, – they, they kind of outgrow that intellect v. empathy divide because they're both kind of – Uninformed. I'm not going to call them stupid guys. I'm just going to say uh, I, I watch the movies and I see these guys as two guys who are definitely into music. They're into their friendship. And they, they have a lot of intellectual curiosity. It's just not directed toward societal norms. Right. More, more or less a product of their environment, right? Absolutely. You know? Um that sweet, sweet uh, San Gabriel Valley upbringing, hmm. you know, um, water slides. That's a real thing, right? Uh, uh, San Dimas in 1983 became the home of the largest water park in the country. Was it so called Waterloo? It was not called Waterloo. It was called, I believe it was called Raging Raging Waters Park or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, so Waterloo, Waterloo is a name for the movie. Oh, um, yeah, and it makes perfect sense right. with Napoleon. I mean, like, it, it just... How great is that? One of, one of my favorite jokes ever, because when I first saw the movie, I wasn't really familiar with the uh, French history there with Napoleon. And then in school, learned that. And that was an exciting thing. <laughs> it was. To make that it connection, yeah, you know? Yeah. Yes. Uh, yeah. So totally cool. Uh, back on topic. Bill and Ted. Different characters, same characters. So do, do you kind of... Uh, see where I'm coming from with that, like them. Yeah, yeah. One I think unit. so. They, 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 there's a little yin and yang with it, in 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 parts, but mm-hmm. it ultimately balances out, and there's no fundamental difference. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Nothing that's just a pure fundamental personality difference. Do, do you think the film suffers because of that? Do do each of those characters need their own individual well, motivations? Well, let's let's take like the 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 huge buddy comedy franchise that came right after that, Wayne's World. Okay, where you have your two lead characters fundamentally different. You, you're absolutely right. There, there's a clear leader, a clear second banana. Yep. Um, the story really centers around Wayne and Garth struggling with success, but also you have a romantic subplot thrown with Tia Carrere. How do you yep. pronounce Tia Carrere? Carrere. I, okay. think, I think that's right. Yeah. Uh, you don't have really that romantic subplot with Bill and Ted. You know, they, they kind of, you know, fall into being able to date princesses, you know, through almost, you know, they didn't earn it. Like, right. Identical proposals. Yeah. Oh my. Which is a great scene. Okay. So this, this goes to Bill and Ted being the same person, right? And I, I want your honest opinion on this. Give me your, your answer as soon as possible. Did they write those things together or did they write them individually? Go. 
No, I, I think they could have written them individually. Okay, thank you. Thank <laughs> right, you. I, right, I absolutely right. agree. I, I, I absolutely agree. Now, it makes sense either way. It was a deep breath into okay. the mic there. Okay. It makes sense either way, right? So if you remember at the beginning of Bill and Ted's Bogus Journey, uh, the guys have their own apartment. They're celebrating the princess's 521st birthday, and they've decided to propose to them to get married. And it's like a big deal. And they go off to separate corners, basically different sides of a uh, like patio table, get down on one knee and have these mood rings. And one of the guys, the, their proposal centers around being lost in an ocean and lists off a bunch of different uh, sea life. And then the other guy uh, is centered around forest and uh, uh, talks about all these woodland creatures. And they're the exact same proposal, except for different environments, different animals listed. They have the same cadence. And, like, a cynical person, like, if you look at that cynically, it's like, oh, these guys, they wrote it together and they're pawning it off. I agree with you. I think the intent of the writers was to show them working with the same brain, the same being on the same wavelength, and just having those mild variations. I absolutely agree with you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm totally with that. So we really... I think just answered our yeah, great question. I, I, I absolutely do. So, do you think a movie with that type of central relationship could get made again today? I I I don't know that if if you took that central idea that it would be made like that today. Yeah. I, you know, with the prolification of uh, you know, uh, save the cat and the, uh, the the whole idea and the the homogeny of Hollywood scripts. Uh, I think it'd be difficult too. Judd I, Apatow would produce it probably. Yeah, and <laughs> he would, and you know what? It would really probably center a lot around pot. I don't think movies like this get made anymore unless they're like marijuana movies. And the, it, I love a good stoner comedy. I'm not saying I don't. I love Pineapple Express. Uh, it, like Half Baked was hilarious. Stoner comedies are great, but even in stoner comedies, which like Harold and Kumar, right? Harold and Kumar are a really close analog to Bill and Ted. But each of those characters, Harold and Kumar, have their own uh, motivating forces. They've got their own individual things that they've got to overcome. And those two things are interwoven into the story. As opposed to Bill and Ted, where it's like this one unit is moving forward and, and they're trying to achieve a goal. It's almost... I don't know. I Like, what type of plot structure is Bill and Ted, would you say? Is it... There's no true villain in Bill and Ted. I mean, maybe Bill's dad or Ted's dad. Yeah. It, it, well, it reminds, you know, when you look at it like that, I would say back to the future comes to mind in terms of, I mean, you know, I guess Biff's, I mean, Biff's, Biff, totally, Biff's a villain. A totally a villain. You're right. So, but, Bi- so, but Biff is not the guy that is, you know, like stranded Marty in the past. Right. Right. He's just an asshole. <laughs> yes. Interesting that you should bring up uh, uh, Back to the Future. This is true. This because is... Uh, Back to the Future really caused some major changes for the Bill and Ted script. Uh, originally, Bill and Ted's uh, adventure didn't have a, a telephone booth that traveled through time. Rufus was driving a van, and yep. Bill and Ted got into this time-traveling van. But the studios were convinced that people would confuse it too much with Back to the Future or think it was a Back to the Future ripoff. So they switched it to a telephone booth, which looks like a police box. So they totally ripped off Doctor Who. Right, right. But I'm, I'm definitely down. Like, I think the only thing that bums me out about 
them not doing the van is that maybe we would have had George Carlin on screen more. Oh, yeah. That, that, but, would, have that but, would have been okay. great. But if you've got Rufus in a van, do you get George Carlin to play Rufus? Because I feel like... Good point. I think maybe he took that perp because like, oh, I've got four scenes. Low maintenance. Yeah, it's low maintenance. Okay, I'm getting a paycheck. I'm increasing my exposure to the youth, and uh, I don't have to be there. Right, right. So, you know, we we... We might not have gotten George Carlin, and that would have been that would have been right. a tragedy. And I think you know the booth ends up providing all sorts of comedy on its oh, own. You yeah. know what I mean? The antenna breaking, mm-hmm. all of the pers- persons of historical significance having to chew gum so that they can use that. Oh, to and the pudding cups and connect it. Yeah, I mean it's it's so great. Oh, Everybody like like taking. I mean, they definitely took that Doctor Who idea of like. All these people can fit in this tiny booth, right? right. Oh, that's like they, they did totally it all true. short of showing an, a very large inside, like yes. Doctor Who does. But yeah, still, that, yeah, I, the poster plays up that idea too. If you if you Google and we'll post mm-hmm. this on Facebook, maybe Instagram too. Yeah, yeah. And uh, the the poster, they are all just crammed up in this telephone mm-hmm. booth, and you can see them. And there's the scene where the the circuits of time. The booth is broken, and they're all like the the booth is horizontal. yeah. Everybody, every, it's just like over. It's like an overstuffed hot dog. They're right. all. They're all half out. Yeah, it's great. So great. So great. So I think we, we, we pretty much decided, and, and Hollywood prove us wrong, uh, Bill and Ted or a movie of Bill and Ted's caliber doesn't get made today without getting homogenized a little bit with a A plot, B plot, uh, worrying about, I, I hate to say worrying about character development because character development is an amazing thing. You know, it, it's something I look for in film, and it, it just, there's, I don't want to say there's... there's time and place for it because I don't want to poo-poo character development. But I always feel like there's a good balance between how you develop a character through the actions they make versus backstory that you give, you know? Sure. Yeah. And I love movies that lean either way. I think with you know, building characters by action only with no backstory is basically the Michael Mann way of making a movie, which yes. I think can work. Oh, uh, exhibit A and sometimes Michael not. Mann. <laughs> exhibit A Michael Mann, right? Right. Uh, yeah. Nailed it. Um, and then, and then you 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 go the other route of where it's just all sort of backstory building. I tend to I tend to prefer the balance and not too much of one over the other, unless it's my favorite Michael Mann movies. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. yeah that, that's that's <laughs> absolutely fair. So this is kind of our setup. What we're going to try to do is every one of these episodes, we're going to have a segment about one of the songs from either of the soundtracks. Mm-hmm. So we're going to do this for the first time. Let's give it a go. Here we go, our first recurring segment. Excellent! All right, so here we are. We're about to review our first song for our first podcast. What'd you bring today? All right, today we've got to go with, there's only one choice, and that is Power Tools, Two Heads Are Better Than One from Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure. Um, I think this goes really well with our previous conversation about differences between Bill and Ted and how they work better as a unit. I... Working better as a unit, I am starting to feel a little uncomfortable. (laughs) So we're just going to give a little setup here um, and then play you a little bit of the song, and then we're going to come back and kind of get into it. Um, So Two Heads Are Better Than One is a song done by Power Tool, which was never really a real band. Who were they, Jason? (laughs) They were Nelson. Nelson, that's right. Matthew and Gunner, twin twin sons of Ricky Nelson. Who the twin grandsons of Ozzy and Harriet Nelson. True. And uh, they co-wrote this with Dweezil Zappa. And we'll discuss this after the song, but the lyrics tend to be very 
disturbing outside of the main hook, which was all I paid attention to when I was young. Yeah. <laughs> all right, here we go. Power tools. Two heads are better than one. Cannot wait. So we gave you a verse and we gave you a chorus there. So two heads are better than one. (laughs) Dude, I was like 11 years old when this movie came out, right? Like I was about 11 years old. I had no idea they were talking about two guys who would only have sex with a woman if they would have sex with both of them. I had no idea. And not just two guys, right? Probably probably two Two brothers. brothers. I mean, two brothers. Yeah. Yeah. This is uh, it's a little incest vibe here. It's a little incesty, you know. I listen, man. I don't want to judge anybody for whatever they're they're feeling. And, you do you. you yeah, know? you know. And as long it, as no one gets hurt, right? Yeah, and yeah, you know. There's yeah, I, I it's yeah. Just, it's, <laughs> you're watching this movie about these two guys who are obviously better together, and they need to stay together in order for the world to be a better place. And yet, in the movie with this song, and it's two heads are better than one. And you're like, oh, this is great. And then you listen to the lyrics and you're like, what hath God wrought? You know, I, I, you know, I use the phrase two heads are better than one now nefariously. I did it to you this morning. You stopped by and I was like, hey, hey, Kelly, two heads are better than one, buddy. Two heads are better than one. And, uh, and yeah. And I'm like, why, why are you doing this to my brain, dude? All sort. I'm envisioning all kinds of things in yeah, there that yeah. I shouldn't be. Yeah, that, that's absolutely true. That's absolutely <laughs> true. But uh, yeah, that 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 phrase now is forever altered my brain. So it's interesting where they use it in the movie, right? So that song first appears when the phone booth drops directly in front of Joan of Arc. Which what I love, what I love in that sort of montage of them picking up the various historical persons. Is how some of it, like the phone booth, is able to go inside a building. I yes, guess. Oh, like that's I'm, great. That's great. Okay, so it can totally do it. It can. <laughs> it can totally do it in the gymnasium, right? And then at the uh, the battle of the bands, it can go in there too. It can go into uh, Lincoln, the White House, right? Right, right. Apparently, in the church, uh, wh- wherever uh, Beef Oven was playing, right? Right. Yeah, yeah. I mean. <laughs> That's that's pretty dope technology. I mean, that's like, right. let's say the tech, the the circus of time, they're great, right? That's awesome. But whoever designed that in order for you to be able to go inside, that's just that's taking it to the next level. That 
<laughs> that separates you from like a Cricket phone to an Apple iPhone. You know, that it's that attention to detail. No offense to Cricket users out there. I, I mean, no, no disrespect, but <laughs> your phone kind of sucks. How do you think Dweezil Zappa hooked up with Nelson? Well, that doesn't surprise me so much. That seems like an L.A. music scene thing. Okay. And, you know, so so Dweezil, uh, he was he was mentored by Steve Vai. Oh. Uh, and, and both of those guys being sons of very famous musicians. Wait, Dweezil was the son of somebody? So, wait, Steve Vai was uh, Dweezil's mentor? Yep. So. That, that's another tie-in to Bogus Journey there because you got right. Steve Vai doing Reaper. Exactly. The Reaper and exactly. Reaper. Exactly. And, and it, it wouldn't surprise me that, uh, I mean, I, I have no idea on that recording of Two Heads Are Better Than One. It's hard to find the detail whether or not Dweezil actually played on that. Mm-hmm. Um but just knowing that Steve, you know, so Steve Vai in the in the second movie does most of the guitar shredding sounds. Yeah, I think Jim Martin does a few too for uh, for the evil robots, maybe. Yeah, the evil oh, robots. That's so cool. I think that's Jim Martin. I yeah. had no idea. Right? that is amazing. Um, just... and we'll talk about him a little bit in our next episode. Will we? Uh, <laughs> How do you know? I just have a feeling. How do you know? I have a gut feeling. So one last thing for us to talk about before we wrap this first episode up. I brought in a copy of Bill and Ted's excellent board game. I see it here. Hey, do you want to shake it so people can hear it? Yeah. It's so, in the box. Uh, this board game was released by Steve Jackson Games probably two years ago, I'm thinking. Right, I, I right. I think it came out maybe around and, 2016. And maybe a little background for you listeners. Jason and I are huge board game fans. Um, we have incredible friends. We, we basically are the nerdiest and we love our nerdy friends, and we all nerd out to board games. And Steve Jackson is a hero of ours. Yeah, Steve Jackson with the the Munchkin Empire with Zombie Dice. There's so much great work going on over there. How many hours of Munchkin do you think we've logged? I don't think I've played as much Munchkin as I have watched the Bill and Ted movies. <laughs> Ooh, that's a that's an interesting way to look at <laughs> yeah, that. But, okay, uh, it's a lot. It's a lot of hours. It's, I mean. Uh, my wife and I got into a two-week argument because I once used the Duck of Doom on her All right. uh, to win the game. So. Those are the kind of details we're looking for. Yeah, I'm just, I'm just saying. I, please forgive me. I'm <laughs> because sorry. Because it's like Munchkin is a great game It's it because it mocks a role-playing game and then takes the best of role-playing games, I think. Yeah. Um, which makes it so much fun, and it's 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 quicker than easier and easier than getting into like a years-long Dungeons & Dragons campaign. Absolutely. But... You know, we do both. Yeah, so Steve Jackson <laughs> totally, totally came up with this Munchkin Empire. It's a really fun game. It's one of those, uh, I, I won't get into my theories about Munchkin, but so I heard Steve Jackson was releasing a Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure game, which is a board game based upon my favorite movie, and or my, my favorite series of movies, and I was like, yes, I must have this. So I tracked it down. I was one of the first people to order it. it i spent three times as much on it as you can buy on amazon now and i got it and on first impression okay the artwork on this thing is on point it's just great it, it looks amazing i'm just looking through it because i've actually never played it jason's actually made it through somehow yeah. i guess he's about yeah. he's about to expand on yeah. that so uh this game is uh the mechanics are really cool it's a really cool mechanic. It's different than anything I've ever played before. And for that, I'm really thankful. The problem I have is most of the time when I'm playing board games, it's a, a 
night with a group of friends, and we're hanging out. We're having a few beers, maybe, and uh, you drink a little bit, and then this game suddenly becomes impossible to play. The mechanics on it are just... I'm sorry, I'm looking through the pieces, and so Freud is drawn drawn here with the corn dog. Yes. Is that what he gets at the mall? Yeah, it is. He actually does get the corn dog? Okay. You may call me Ziggy. Ziggy. (laughs) Yeah, so, like, the the artist who created this game obviously have a deep, deep love for Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure, and I really appreciate that. You can probably get this thing for 20 bucks now, maybe even a little bit less used. You should do it if you're a huge fan of, of Bill and Ted. Just play this game sober, because otherwise you're not going to be able to follow what you need to do. It, it, it <laughs> you go around the board in your in your phone booth and you're trying to collect different uh, personages of historical importance, and each one you get makes your path more circuitous. And so there's a point when you're doing even better, like as you're getting closer to winning the game, you need to game out your movements by like six. Oh, and e- each game piece will be like turn left and go forward or uh turn clockwise three times and go backwards one and so you're trying to pre-plan all of these things in order to get where you're going and it's it's almost too much it's it's almost to the point where it's would would you say that um you know they probably overcomplicated it yeah they overcomplicated because there's a there's kind of a simplistic thing with munchkin in a way yes at least compared to traditional role-playing games it is that and, I love. It, and you know with munchkin the, the maybe they could have just had a bill and ted's munchkin yeah that would have been great that would have been great <laughs> because they got munchkin for everything else now yeah you know right so axe cop right yeah. once you get axe cop then yes anything's I, game i think once you go to conan the barbarian like when he when you start i mean who's gonna do a podcast on a forgotten 80s film like that right i mean come on Nobody's caring about that. <laughs> yeah. I, I just, I just, I, I uh, yeah, I, I, I would not 100% recommend Bill and Ted's excellent uh, board game. I would say if you have a local board game store that might have an open copy, go check it out. And if it is up your alley, then definitely get it. If not, you can totally pass. But if you are kind of a Bill and Ted completionist, like one or two, to the people talking on this podcast, it's probably totally worth spending the 20 bucks on because if nothing else, it looks really cool setting on your shelf. So how are we doing here, JT? I, I, Do you think we've reached our uh, our limit for episode one here? Yeah, I want to give a special thanks to Scott Bricklin and Scooby Tunes for the use of the most excellent song, Walk Away, from the Bill & Ted's Excellent Adventure soundtrack. Also want to thank uh, We Own This Town. And until next time, guys, be excellent to each other. And party on, dudes! Find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at San Dimas Today. Find, Find us, us on, on Facebook, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and Twitter. <laughs> Alphabetical order, dude. <laughs> Go fuck yourself, dude. That's the perfect one right there. <laughs>